Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Hello and welcome back to Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com. It's been another eventful few days for our great club and over the next hour or so we'll be discussing some of the issues as the season starts to draw to a close. As ever, I'm Andy, and today I'm joined by Craig and Mark. Hello, Andy. Thank you for the intro. Um, very nice to be back. Um, I'm um, Craig Storrod on Twitter. Looking forward to the conversation today. Uh, I just wanted to take a quick moment to um, to to send some love and, and, and positive vibes to the family of uh, Daley Atkinson um, during this trial. Obviously, we can't talk about the trial at the moment, but... Um, Dalian Atkinson was um, one of my favourite players and probably many favourite players. Uh, he's one of the first players I ever remember watching playing with my dad and my uncle when I was a kid. And um, yeah, just love and light to his family. And um, we, uh, yeah, we're thinking about you. What's going on, everybody? I'm Mark Jerby. You can find me on Twitter at VillamarkPGH. Completely echo the sentiments of Craig, all, all of us over here with the Pittsburgh Lions and everybody else in North America thinking about Mr. Atkinson's family during this time. But yeah, let's let's get in. We got some crazy stuff going on with, with Villa, and then we got to talk about the United game. We got to talk about refs that you know have terrible vision. We, we got a lot of stuff to talk about today, guys. <laughs> yeah, we do, actually. And we're going to start with uh, with the Villa women. Um, just a quick mention, because I know um, I've been saying this for months, but Regan and Georgia are going to do a podcast, I believe, just to just to really kind of wrap up the season and, and everything that's going on. But we just wanted to say, you know, a huge congratulations um, to the Villa women who secured their survival um, in the Women's Super League for another season. A, re- a really hard-fought draw away at Arsenal, who had certainly no mugs, and, and they've They've managed to secure their their survival on the last day, which um, certainly rings a bell for for uh, us sort of fans of the men's team as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Mark, I know you particularly follow follow the women's team. Do you want to just a quick quick word on on this and what it means for the club, and also the news today that sadly um, Gemma Davies has been relieved of her duties. Yeah, I'm really proud of proud of this collection of players. I mean, we the Villa have put some investment into it for really, really good players, not only just domestic but also international players as well. Um, you know, it's very sad, you know, case for Gemma Davies because obviously she was the one who helped get the club up, and then you know, a little bit through the season, she kind of took a backseat from the actual head coaching role. But now that she's released, it is sad and everything. But this points to me that maybe the club has bigger plans as far as not having to deal with the last, you know, the last game of the season drama to stay up and again it's a massive accomplishment for the for this women's team don't think it's not especially against arsenal that that team can they can score all over the place they have a striker that can that is actually like in in contention for the golden boot so i don't know it's it's going to be very very interesting to see how villa plays this one going into the summer but um i think they're going to bring in someone with experience to really kick this team on to the next level yeah, I think it's, uh, it's it was it's really fantastic for the whole football club to see uh, both you know the women's team, the men's team, and the youth teams making such great progress. And I think a, a pat on the back is due to our wonderful owners, um, Wes Edens and the Seth Savaris, who have just really completely regenerated the whole club, root and branch, real um, real incredible growth. And I don't think I think a lot of other fans from rival teams are really sleeping on what's going on. At the club, you know, we've just seen uh, Prince William open a new training complex last week. We've seen, you know, we've got some of the best 16-year-olds and 17-year-olds and, and in, in, in terms of the men's team. We have a, a women's team which is now hopefully going to establish itself in the, um, in the Premier League. And um, with that new TV deal, you know, there's going to be an arms race for all those women's teams to, to, build, to, to get those trophies and build the history. And, and hopefully Villa can be a part of that. You know, women's football is only going one way way and that's upwards and um it's it's going to be really important for Aston Villa to be on the ground floor of that moving forward 
Yeah, absolutely. And you know, like you say, it just it's just symptomatic of the of the situation the club the club is in at the moment. That um, the good hands that it's in, it, that, 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 that that every every aspect of the club is thriving, and we've never had a women's team um, which has has which you could feel this this optimistic about ever. You know, so this is this is a really great thing, and yeah, it seems a shame that that um, Davies has, has has lost her job, but. Maybe this is a sign of things to come, you know, in the future for the for the men's team that we're not we're not going to sit on on our laurels. We're gonna we're gonna press on if we need to, and um, you know, it's certainly there's some big big seasons coming up. I, I suspect. Um, but on onto the men's team, and obviously the uh, the visit of Manchester United um, of the seditious six, as we've we've named them. Uh, well documented that that Villa haven't beaten the beaten Manchester United at, at Villa Park since a, a an amazing three one win back in nineteen ninety five, um, which I have fond memories of, um, which was funny enough actually only one week before uh, Jack Grealish was born, which uh, shows you how long ago that was. Dean Smith picked an unchanged team with with Carney Chukwuemeka uh, replacing Neil Taylor on the bench. Uh, both sides really shared the possession over the first twenty minutes or so. With perhaps United making a, a little bit more headway in the final third, without really threatening too much. Um, Martinez called into action a couple of times, um, but nothing too dangerous. And then almost out of nowhere, um, Villa won the ball. McGinn and Louise with some great pressing win the ball um, around twenty yards out, and 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 Louise plays in Traore who. Who hit a, an absolute corker of a, of a of a left foot shot past Henderson into the into the top corner? Um, you know he's 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 really kind of um, taking his chance really well, and you know this just seems like another seem like another example of Troy Ray and his potential at, at one end of the field, um, having for the first twenty minutes really really been found wanting defensively, um, sort of covering for for Luke Shaw's runs. Yeah, I thought Luke Shaw was was very impressive um, yesterday. Um, his his progress, I think, under Solskjaer is there for all to see. But um, in terms of Traore, I think overall you can't help but be impressed with his first season. That's now six goals and, and five assists in a new team, in a new league. Yes, I know he played a few games for Chelsea when he was a kid, but you know it's a different kettle of fish now. Um, Troyore has incredible ability. Um, we see that, you know, he has some outrageous touches. He has, he can see things other people don't see, but which is also, I think, leads to lots of the frustration with Troyore because we want him to be more consistent. We want him to be more productive. But overall, you have to say six goals and five assists is, is, is very, very pleasing. I think that Troyore's defensive contributions have improved overall. I think if you if we look back to the game, I think against Chelsea around the uh, Christmas period, uh, Chilwell was just home free for the whole the whole game to cross as, as you know he's at least making a bit more of an attempt uh, to be uh, defensively minded. I would be interested to see Troy through the middle. Actually, I think when he gets in the middle, he 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 starts to do really interesting things. But I think he's another player that's going to be better next season, much better for having this 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 season under his belt and. Um, for under 20 million quid, six goals, five assists. Um, really one of our bright sparks for most of the season. Um, yeah, onwards and upwards for Bertrand Traore. Yeah, I, I can agree with all that, to be honest. And like I said last week, sometimes it does get a little annoying and sometimes it does seem like Traore's out there and his defensive, um, I guess, defensive abilities aren't really all that great. But, I mean, then he has some, he does something like this and not even saying he had a complete game. I think there's a lot more coming from him. But again, it's the first season back in the Premier League that has to be respected, that you know has to be known that he, he's going to get better. I love the shout of putting him through the middle because we all know and we've all seen it that his stronger foot is his left that's there's no there's no two ways about it that's what it is he's a left-footed player and he's very good with that left so if you do have a player like Jack Grealish or even somebody else in that position you know cutting in as Troy likes to get forward that could be magic in a, in a bottle if, if we could find that um but yeah I thought the goal was great I, I I think that that this is exactly the kind of goal that he scores the only criticism that I have about um Traore is sometimes when he actually goes you know from the right and he starts cutting into the left Matty Cash is making runs past him 
to look for the ball. And, you know, Bertrand Traore being who he is, he's a little bit greedy. He's never really making that pass to Matty Cash. So I would like to see a little bit more of that, but I'm sure that'll come as the as the time rolls on with him being at Villa. I do think that we have a really good player. And again, like Craig said, for the price tag, you can't beat the production levels that he's given us this season. It's just for me personally that his his defensive ability is getting better. His awareness is getting better. We know that he's good on his left foot, like I just said. But, you know, I'd like to see him be a little bit more team-oriented. Sometimes he's a little greedy with the ball, and you do need that in football sides. But, again, great goal. I hope he keeps at it. I think he's going to be really, really good for Villa next season. Yeah, I certainly hope so. And and I, I would say that I absolutely agree with you, with you guys that the defensive aspect of his game, um, you know, has, has, has certainly come on. But, you know... You know, I, I think that was possibly kind of there anyway, but it was just getting used to the used to the Premier League again and the and the different responsibilities that a wide player has in the Premier League. Um, I think the the thing that's going to um, test these players, um, a lot of these players, even more next season is hopefully when we see the the return of fans into the stadium and. If we are going to be having full houses, which at the moment looks increasingly likely, then um, you know how are they going to cope with with that bit of extra pressure? So you know, guys like the players that have come in this season, um, such as Trey All Right, and and I, I include Martinez in that as well because he he's really since he came into the team at Arsenal and joined, then joined Villa, he's never played in front of a, a crowd, so. Um, I know he has before, but you, you know, si- since he's really kind of come to the fore, so you know, we'll we'll, um, we'll have to see how that goes as well. I think I think it could be interesting for you know f- for a number of players and how they cope with suddenly having that noise from the stands again. I don't know what you guys think about that. I think that uh, yeah, I I agree. I think that we're going to see some players regress and go into their shells. Um, but I think we're also going to see, I think players like John McGinn has, has been vocal about this in interviews that he thrives off the crowd. We know that Jack Grealish thrives off the crowd. So I think while there will be some players that regress and actually find it a little bit um, intimidating because Villa Park can be a very intimidating place, uh, not just for, unfortunately, not just for away players, but also for home players in many instances. So there are going to be some players that, that, that either suffer with that. Maybe that's uh, something that they have to adjust to as, as, as the season fills out. Obviously, we don't know what it looks like yet. It's doubtful, I would imagine, that we're going to be at full capacity even in August uh, when the new season rolls around. So it could be a, a staggered kind of uh, a staggered thing. But for sure, I think we're going to see some players wilt and we're going to some, see some players really um, start playing out of their skin. And certainly, as was alluded to last week, you gentlemen said last week, performances like Ross Barkley was putting in and also put in for the first half yesterday where he's strolling around. You're not going to get away with that in front of the whole end. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it's going to actually have to be a thing where when they do start to have fans back, even if it's a limited capacity, we know the raffle and everything that's going on uh, for Aston Villa. But at some point in time, they're going to have to sit down with these players and be like, listen, you know, you you guys had no supporters for this long. And I know it was really strange when it happened. And now I think a couple of the players at Aston Villa football club are very familiar with that. And they think that's just the way it's going to be. But, you know, they're, they're going to have to sit down and kind of tell them, you know, there's going to be, you're going to have to step it up a bit, you know, especially, you know, the, the industrial players that you don't really have to worry about, like the John McGinn's, like the Jackie Grealish's, the Ollie Watkins, no big deal. But some of these other players that we have in the squad currently, as of right now, they're going to have to be told that like, no, you need, you need to run a little bit more. You need to act like you care a little bit more. You're, you're not only playing for the badge, you're playing for a community as well. Um, and they seem like I'm getting a little, you know, aggressive with it, but it's going to have to be told because they're going to have to be made aware of it. They're going to have to be made aware. They, they can't just think that they can they can just go out there and, and, and putz around a little bit. That's that's not the way it's going to go. No, certainly won't be. It never has been. Um, and I think I think a, a lot of players they're going to have to um, they're going to have to uh, get used to it again very very quickly. Um, hopefully, like I say, things things remain reasonably on track in terms of COVID and and it becomes a reality. So we'll we'll certainly see how that pans out, but. 
I mean, Villa, Villa got through to half-time fairly unscathed. Um, you know, the fear that uh, Man United might have a, a couple of extra gears to, to move into were proved to be founded, really, as within 10 minutes of the break, they had completely turned the game on its head and made it 2-1. Firstly, you know, a clumsy challenge by Louise on Podca- Pod- Pogba, Paul Pogba, uh, gave uh, Manchester-based referee Chris Kavanagh an easy decision, really, to point to the spot, and Fernandez uh, converted as he does. Then three minutes later, Mason Greenwood rolled Mings fairly easily on the edge of the box and beat Martinez with a fairly weak low shot to the near post, I thought. Um, as hopeful as we may have, have been at half-time, this, this all felt too familiar and inevitable and easy, really. Yeah, I'm I'm getting sick of it at the moment. Every week we're talking about this. Every week there's a new individual error, you know, cash getting sent off. Konza was brain was elsewhere against West Brom. Mings gave Fulham a goal. And now it's Douglas Louise and it's particularly galling with Douglas Louise because this is literally the same player that this happened with in the reverse fixture where Pogba has not only told, shouted at uh, at uh, Luke Shaw to take a dive, then seconds later trips over his own foot and obviously because it's Man United, they get the penalty. Uh, this one was a penalty. I don't have any complaints with the decision. Uh, but Louise knows Pogba is just itching to go down. He's dancing and jiving and battling. He's just waiting for the contact so he can fall over. Louise had done so well. He'd done so well. He'd re-diverted, uh, 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 I was going to say Drogba, <laughs> someone else. He'd re-diverted Pogba away from goal. And Pogba is now no longer able to score. So, Dougie, you did your job perfectly. Uh, Pogba's got to then lay it off to someone who's coming in. And then you've got to leave it to your teammate to, to make sure you're, you're, you're watching for those runners. Job done for you, Louise. Well done. But no, it was naive. It was stupid. It was avoidable. It was r- ridiculous. And to kick out like he did is symptomatic of the defensive malaise we've seen in recent weeks. There are no more clean sheets for Aston Villa. Their heads are gone in regards to this season. If you go back and watch the highlights of the Southampton game, the away game, the 1-0 win, look at that game. Martinez saves, bodies on the line, balls to the wall. It was Alamo stuff. Villa won just siege and they, they just had a complete desire to, to, to burning desire to keep the ball out of the net that's gone and they don't have the intensity and I can forgive them for that because these games are dead rubbers at this point but um, it's really starting to really piss me off quite frankly that we're seeing these stupid mistakes every single week I mean if they're going to score let them score let you know score a good goal let, let the opposition score a good goal stop giving away free goals you feel better <laughs> no, <laughs> I know you're mad. You have all right to be mad. That body language was poor, and to give up those two goals that quickly. Listen, the penalty was a pen. I agree with you, man. I think Louise just he he got to a certain point, and he could have just let Pogba stand there and do the salsa if he wanted to stand there and do the salsa. Um, I think it was. It, I don't even. I don't even want to say it was a heat of the moment thing. I think it was a poor tackle. It was obviously a penalty. Um, as far as Ming's getting rolled for Mason Greenwood, though, I've, I've got issue with that as well. Um, yeah, their, their heads were gone. It happened very quickly. The body language isn't there. Like you said, Craig, um, it, they're all dead rubbers. They probably just want to get it over with. They probably want fans you know, back back in the stadiums just as well. Um, I do believe that there's more that want that than others, as, I ju- as we just talked to on the last topic. But, um, yeah, there's there's some kind of body language going on in the, in the defensive villa that I am not – happy about and and this hurts me worse than not being happy about it i'm not proud about it because i've seen what they what they've done and um you know you know i know it's just a sporting team but the one thing you don't want to do to me is make me not feel proud i want to know that you guys are going out there and and giving your all they didn't give their all in in this four four minutes of time and i I, it's it's getting so consistent Uh, the the inconsistencies are becoming so you know consistent it's just it's really hard to watch and we, we all have a right to be upset about it. I know it's Manchester United, but, you know, you're, you're a goal up. You know, now now it's time. Like, if you can squeak a 1-0 against a team like Manchester United, who's sitting second on the league, who's, you know, really had to claw their way back to get to that point this season, 
I I just don't know. It, it was so disappointing to see the goals happen like that. I mean, you kind of have to be a little bit of a fool not to throw five or ten bucks on United getting awarded a penalty in this game. I sure as hell know that I did. Um, but it's it's still the point of, you know, you have to – there's got to be a fight. There has to be a response, be it physical, be, be it, you know, you know screaming at each other. However it had to be, so, someone had to take responsibility for this collapse because that's what it was. And we saw it in – what did you say, Andy? It was three minutes, you know, three, three, four, three four minutes. Yeah, three minutes between the goals, I believe. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's not yeah. good enough, man. I just, I, I, you know, I hate to be that guy, but like for this, for this team against United, that's not good enough. I want, I want to see a, a much better buy-in level of, of your interest of of defending properly and defending well. There's not an interest there, and and as I say, I like to think I'm re- relatively fair-minded. You know, a few weeks ago, Liverpool scored an amazing goal. It was a one-touch passing move. Uh, Robertson hit a, a great shot. Martinez gets a hand to it. Salah nods it in. I said, you know what? Liverpool scored a good goal. Sometimes you hold your hands up and say, "Good goal." Liverpool's second goal as well uh, was was also a great finish by Trent Alexander-Arnold. Ramsey probably could have closed him down a little more. But if a team, sco- if a good team scores a good goal against you, you don't like it, you don't enjoy it, but you can accept it. What I can't accept is giving a goal away, or two goals in this case, maybe three goals, as we'll talk about in a minute, to a team good like that. Make them score. Make them work for it. Come on. No, absolutely, and I think I think we've 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 been on the end of these games, these these turnarounds against Man United an, an awful lot over the years. So we're not, it's not a new thing for us, but but if you look back on some of those performances and some of those goals, these they were great players scoring great goals to beat us. And as disappointing as it is, you, you hold your hands up. But um, I have to agree. I think the, the the thing about the you know the the, the Douglas Louise incident was it was it was it was his mistake. But of course, it's not it's not always. The one player, it's it's at the moment. It seems to be shared around, as you've said. We've seen Concer, we've seen um, Matt Cash making mistakes. Mings has obviously made his share of of errors, um, and it you know it seems to be at the moment a collective thing. And you're also right to point to to point to the you know certain other games. You know, I always think of the Arsenal game at home, where I mean, look, seen for all the world, like. Like Arsenal would 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 get an equaliser in that game, we'd been ahead since the third minute, um, and it, it you know it seemed inevitable. But there, there was also this feeling that actually this is what Villa do really well. We close the shop, and you know round up the wagons, and we we you know we 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 just deflect everything away. Um, it didn't feel like that yesterday, and it hasn't felt like that for a few weeks. It always feels like. You know, we are one sort of brain fart away from from complete collapse, and uh, and that's what's happened with Dougie. I would I would just mention though that that's no excuse for the the disgusting abuse that he then got on his on his Instagram uh, after the game on his on his birthday. That's that's a whole that's a whole different level and completely beyond the pale. And you know, I'm sure we stand with Douglas Louise um, in in condemning that, but. Um, yeah, it's it's it doesn't look it doesn't look great um, for him. I think he's had a a difficult time since since the turn of the year, and whether he knows he's off to Man City, and whether that's going to be seen as much of a problem as as it would have been before Christmas. I'm not sure, guys. What do you think? I think Ashley Priest from the Mail um, said uh, in a, in a, one of his um, Q and A's last week or, or the week before that it's he, he thinks he, he said he, he was quick to add the caveat that uh, he did not have definitive information about this, but he did say that in his opinion, Douglas Louise will be moving along to Man City. In which case, a bit like Barclay, um, should he be playing? You know, if that is the case, they will know by now. The, the deadline is, I think, the 5th of June. So we're less than a month away. For sure they know if he's going or not. Man City are notorious for being organised in the transfer market and getting their business done early while lots of the teams are scratching around. If Douglas is leaving, and as we know, Barkley is leaving, perhaps the time has come, and I've said this already, and I was kind of bitten a little bit by the, the great Ross Barkley performance last week against Everton, but you returned to type against Manchester United. Maybe they don't need to be playing 
And that's not me hating on them. That's not me abusing them. It's just saying, well, maybe, maybe let's go with players who are going to be with us next year. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, abuse is uncalled for. Period, and it doesn't. It, in whatever form it comes in, you know, we're we're still allowed to, to to criticize players. We're still allowed to say they had a poor game or made a poor decision. No, this isn't anything to do with the abuse that Louise got on his Instagram. And he, he you know, he he said his piece, and he's right. You know, m- mistakes happen. He, he said he's going to lift his head up and he's going to you know keep going at it. And good for him. That's what that's what he needs to do. But. You know, with with things like this, especially now, it almost seems and he all around he didn't have a great game. And to, let's be honest, a little bit, he hasn't had a great game for a while now. And that, that's not me being harsh; that's just me being honest. Look back at some of his passing stats. Look at some of his pre-January first passing stats. Look at them now. It, it it almost doesn't look like the same player. Now he's still doing the things out there. He can still read read you know the defense really well. He can keep it organized back there, things like that. But as far as going forward, I I I seen at least three or four times yesterday whenever he's passing the ball and it was almost like he was passing it to, to a red shirt. Um, you know, and I, I know that there's pressure and everything and it's United and I'm sure they were told we haven't beat United in Villa Park for so long and all those things. But yeah, I, I, I have a feeling and I, I said this for, for a while. I didn't envisage him staying at Aston Villa longer than that supposed buyout clause was going to be. Um, I, I think that's why we went and got a player like Marvelous in the combo. A lot of people, didn't understand that signing when we made it. They just thought that he was, you know, just going to be going to be back up or, you know, things like that with Louise. We were going to keep him long term. But yeah, I I don't know. The the abuse is terrible. It's just Dougie's. Uh, we've seen Dougie be a be- better player than that. And I just hope that, you know, if he does stay with Villa, if Man City, for whatever reason, don't exercise that option, that he, he learns from these tough times that he's having this this year, at least. And just to, just just to jump in, sorry, quickly on the abuse, because I didn't touch on that. Um, so to, to all the so-called fans that, that may be listening that feel the need to tag players in vitriolic messages and abuse, um, we have a wonderful opportunity here with social media to connect with, uh, with, with our footballing idols and the people we look up to, celebrities, you know, politicians or, or philosophers or artists, musicians, whoever it is. We have a wonderful opportunity with social media to connect with these people in a way that we would have never got near them. Um, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you know, we could, the most we could hope for was a, 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 an autograph standing outside in the rain. And we're just ruining it as a society. We're just ruining it by poisoning the well with all this abuse. I don't understand why anyone would choose to go online and tag someone and say, I think Al Ghazi said, the one of the reasons he came off Twitter, he did an interview with The Athletic, is one of the um, whole 10 season ticket holders told him, I hope you never play for my club again and that you die. Now, what kind of person do you have to be to say that? That a guy's missed a chance or had a bad game, so you hope that he dies? I mean, maybe you gentlemen can explain it to me because I certainly don't understand. Uh, I mean, Andy, Andy would probably be able to touch on this better than me, but I, I've seen it over here in the States, and um, I think people that don't have a lot going on in their life get very passionate to a point of fault and that's not an excuse i'm not saying that's right but you know i i've even had friends of mine that even if we're like at the bar watching a game or something and a player messes up or does something that's not favorable for the team and they say something i I just look at him be like you you would you would never say that to him if he was standing here and like I've gotten in actual arguments with very, very good friends about it because I live in a market, you know, I live in Pittsburgh where the, the teams are everything here. It's, it's literally, it's, I know people that literally live for Sunday so they can watch Steelers football. Um, and it's, it, sound, it sounds goofy, it sounds crazy, but that, that's literally the entire bane of their existence is getting through their, their job that they don't like to sit down and watch the Steelers in their living room. That's what it is. It is what it is. But it's it's not acceptable to hurl to hurl this abuse whatsoever. I don't know what makes a person honestly do that. I would think that it's a lack of fulfillment in their own life that they want to drag somebody else down. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, none of this. That I'm I'm actually quite glad that none of us can really get get on board with it or or understand where people are coming from. It's um you know because it's an it's an alien concept to me. Um, you know, I think I think you, you you're both absolutely right, and I was actually thinking about your point earlier, Craig. That you know, years ago, you know, if you wanted to abuse a player after a game, you'd have to walk up to them in a pub um, <laughs> when they were there, and you know, can you imagine going up to someone like Graham Soonis or Andy Gray or 
you know, whoever it happened to be. Big John Fashionu. <laughs> Big John Fashionu, <laughs> Vinnie Jones, and telling them what you thought of their performance or what you thought of them as a character or their, uh, you know, what, their, their their heritage or, or whatever it happened to be. You know, they would, they would, um, you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't be awake for very long. Well, um, Ollie McBurney seems to have taken matters into his own hands oh, today. He's yeah. a fashion. Oh, man, he's, he's, he's got some trouble coming. Uh, yeah, he but, does. But 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 this is it, and you know we're dealing with human beings. They're not just um, they're not just accounts on on Twitter or Instagram. They they are human beings, and you know I'm you know going back to Douglas Louise. I mean, yesterday his face told it all. He knew exactly um, what he'd done. He knew it was a it was a, a very costly error. But it's a football match, isn't it? And you know it means a lot to a lot of people. But you know, come on. The, these are these are human beings, and and also there's the, the 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 other argument is that you know how can you expect a player to improve and get better and feel more confident and more free to to express themselves on a football pitch if if they're constantly um, having abuse held at them? So yeah, that it it will never stop. Unfortunately, um, what will happen is players will be encouraged to to move away even further. Um, from the fans, in, even further from social media, and 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 we'll get back to a stage where there will be no contact with them um, at all, other than from the terraces on a, on a Saturday. So um, that's where it'll go. But you know, come on, just think. Let's think think carefully about it um, and what we're doing. But there we are. I think I'm preaching to people that that don't get it. To be to be frank. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, going back to the game, um, you know, Dean Smith did make the changes. He did bring on uh, Ramsey, uh, Wesley, and Davis to try and to try and force the issue. But but neither of them really, none of them really got got into the game as such. I think Davis had a good a good run and and uh, probably passed it when he should have had a shot um, late on. And then another another decision for. Um, for our Manchester ref to make um, as he sent off Ollie Watkins for a second book, book, bookable offence um, when he was a judge to have dived in the penalty area. Um, you know, I think Cavani had already added the, the third goal by then, so it probably wouldn't have made too much difference. But obviously Watkins now is is going to be suspended for the Everton game on Thursday, which in terms of our hopes of finishing in the top half of the table, which which really should be the aim, um, it's it's a very very big game, um, so he's gonna he's gonna miss that game. But I mean, what did you think of that decision and and Kavanagh generally um, as a refereeing performance? I'm just curious, and um, you guys might laugh about this, but I'm being completely serious. Do they have laser um, surgery for the eyes in the UK? Is that is that a <laughs> is that a thing? I, I just don't know if it translates. It is. Over, it is a over thing. here. It's very common. Like you can go do an appointment, go through your doctor, all that kind of stuff. But I just I was just curious if if maybe his eyes just didn't work, or do they have vision tests for the referees in the Premier League? And if not, do they give them time off to go get maybe a laser eye surgery? Obviously, I'm being a little tongue in cheek, but no, I, I did not think that <laughs> I did not think that Mr. Kavanaugh had a very very good day. Um, I actually don't think that he would think he had a good day if he, he watched this match back as well. There's a lot of really silly um, fouls that he gave that I didn't think were fouls, and it just happened to be that it was never on a Manchester United player. Um, yes, I, I watched the game when it happened live. I also watched it again this morning just to see a couple of the instances. I just think that like there was an honest favorability towards Manchester United in this game for some of the calls. And, you know, we can talk about this Ollie Watkins call at the, the, the second yellow that, that gets him sent off toward the end of the game. But there, there was a lot of instances before that. Um, as far as Watkins, I did not think it was, it was a dive. Um, there's there's so many i mean literally as it happened there were multiple angles showing that it wasn't i mean the man was touched he went down you know if you're going to call that there's there's a, the, the game's gone to be honest um and again it's just my opinion um he will have a rest coming up against everton uh i i, I saw a little bit as soon as this happened like oh we're gonna see you know wesley come back but i'm actually i'm actually in the uh the arena that i think that keenan davis should get get the start in the absence of mr ellie Watkins. craig what do you think 
yeah, I think that uh, Keenan Davis is going to get his, his chance. And I think that um, rightly so. I think it's actually a good thing that, that Watkins is going to get a rest. I think it's unfortunate it's coming against Everton because the Everton performance was one of his best games of the season. He really had them worried and rattled. So it's a bit of a shame it didn't fall on Palace or, or a different one. But, you know, we I, I said in the beginning, and I think, you know, lots of us agree, Watkins should not be playing every minute of every game. I know players like to, but it's a, it's almost a selfish thing. It's like a personal accolade. I played every minute of every of every game in the season and it's not realistic. I mean, Jack Grealish, I mean, playing devil's advocate, had, you know, he threw his dollies out the pram a little bit um, when he was brought off, I think, earlier in the season against Newcastle. If Jack Grealish had been pulled off in, in some of those uh, some of those games where we were winning two or three or seven two, you know, and, and and save 20 minutes there, 15 minutes here, maybe his shin injury doesn't get so exacerbated and maybe he's available for more games. Ollie Watkins probably is a better player for us if he's fresher. So I don't mind that he's actually going to miss some minutes, but um, I do mind about how he's missing those minutes. Um, it's a scandal. And I don't say that lightly because there's a clear pattern now emerging and the thing that really infuriates me is this pattern which emerges with the referees and and the seditious six or or particularly the Manchester clubs in recent games against Aston Villa it's not an isolated incident now it's it's a clear pattern so clearly Manchester United and Manchester City in the last few fixtures have had preferential treatment now the question is, is this unconscious bias from the officials or is it something a little bit more sinister? Is it deliberate? I think we can all see it's there, but it's not spoken about. It's just, we're just supposed to accept it. We're just supposed to roll over and take these bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. I, the last thing I said on last week's podcast was, please referees don't give Man United a penalty because they don't need it. They're good enough to beat us without it. And they, they won that penalty fair and square. But to send off our player for what is a, a questionable call, there's no way the referee knows if there's contact or not. Dean Smith makes a good point. If that happens to Rashford, or if that happens to Fernandez, or it happens to Harry Kane, as we saw uh, when he fell over, initiated the contact with Matt Cash and got a penalty for it, they get the penalty. At, at, at the most, or at the least, they get the benefit of the doubt. There's no second yellow. There's no way they get sent off for that if it's one of those players, one of those teams. So again, is that unconscious bias or is it deliberate? It's definitely happening, but I don't know how, what the coverage was like in the, in the UK. But on the US, it wasn't even spoken about. It was quickly to Ollie smiling in his post-match interview. Oh, plucky Man United have done it again. Come back from behind. The title race is alive. Tune in to Manchester United's games because they can be within four points of Manchester City if they win their next two games. Villa didn't matter. Villa's complaints didn't matter. The Greenwood handball didn't matter. It wasn't even spoken about. It wasn't mentioned. Uh, Greenwood, this is a podcast so you can't see, but I've got my hands above my head here. Greenwood <laughs> got away with a penalty which was given against Matty Cash in the Manchester City game. Never mind the goal that was given before where the Manchester player comes off from an offside position in rules never seen before, by the way. Never seen before or since. Never seen before. This is not me making it up. Go look. The uh, the FA Premier League, uh, uh, as it used to be called, brought out a clarification the next day. Never been seen before. The game's nil-nil. Uh, their defender comes from an offside position, tackles Tyrone Mings, Manchester City score, win the game. So again, we can't pretend this isn't happening. So is it unconscious bias or is it deliberate? But we know it's happening. And I don't know, how do we as fans stop it? Do we do, how do we advocate for change? How do we make our voices heard? Is, how do we get taken seriously? Because already it's been brushed under the carpet and Manchester United are marching on. No one cares. Here we are, Aston, you know, little Aston Villa. And no one cares about it. Do the fans need to protest? Do we need to boycott the next game against Manchester United? We've seen how effective the boycott, the uh, the protests were for Manchester United last week. They've just apparently lost a two hundred million pound sponsor. What do we need to do so this stops happening to us? Because it is not fair. Well, I suppose um, this was the purpose of VAR, wasn't it, to try and try and um, you know iron out some of these decisions? But I think it's, if anything, it's made it. It's made it more go more the other way, um, even more kind of towards the, the the bigger teams. I mean, I just think, I mean, Ollie Watkins has had a a rough ride this season. Um, 
in terms of refereeing decisions, VAR, etc. You know, the mind goes back to the the incident at West Ham where you know he was <laughs> he was given offside by VAR despite being throttled by um, Ogbonna from behind, uh, which should have been a penalty. Um, you know, it's it's. And then, and then, and then, for him to be sent off effectively for diving. So what you're saying is he's cheated. You know, you say what you say when you book someone for diving. You're you're saying they've cheated, um, and they've been caught out doing it. There's no way Ollie Watkins um, is cheating there. He's 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 either gone to ground to avoid the contact before it comes to to preserve his leg. Um, or he's been touched and he's and he's gone over. Um, I can't tell which is which, but he certainly hasn't dived. And and um, you know, I think I think in those circumstances, you don't think it's a penalty. It's not a penalty. Fair enough. But to, but to send him off, and for it to be such a quick decision as well, he almost blew the whistle and and made the decision before it even happened. It was so strange to see it. Um, but I don't know, Craig. I don't. I, I don't know. Where we go in terms of, you know, I, th- I think it's it's it, it's one of those things. I think the refereeing has been shown, um, particularly in this last season, where there's there's been no excuse, there's been no abuse from the the, the terraces like you would normally get. No, you know, no one putting pressure on the ref from the stands in in terms of that. It's just been straight refereeing and the use of VAR, and they've had all the time in the world. Um, without having fans there to be able to, you know, to get things right, and and it's got worse. It's got worse and worse over the season. Um, it's a mess, well, an absolute I mess, have, and I, I don't know how it how it changes. I have a little question. This this may seem like a very very American mindset, but it's an honest question because I don't know. Um, what stops the you know the Premier League from saying okay if you if you publicly support or publicly hate or denounce a team, you can't referee for those teams. Like, I don't understand why that's not a thing. Like we all know that this, that the Kavanaugh is a Manchester United supporter, or at least he has a soft spot for him. Um, you know, we know, we know that obviously football's a, a, a massive, massive entity of England. Um, so why don't, why don't they just start doing things like that? I mean, that may seem like a really childish, ignorant statement coming from me, but like, honestly, like I don't understand, like if you're, if you obviously have a soft spot for this team for one reason or another, why are you allowed to referee their games? I don't understand it. It just seems like it, it, it just takes a chip out of the integrity of the game for me. I, I think in, in Kavanagh's case, although he's from Manchester, I don't think there's any suggestion that he's necessarily a Man United fan. Well, that, that's my point. That's um, my point, though. Like, even if you yeah. live around the area, like, why are you allowed to, like, like let's say if you're in, in, in the southern part yeah. of the country, why would you, why would they ever even risk the integrity of the game by having you referee in the in the southernmost part of the country? It's just, it's, it, again, it may seem a very ignorant, you know, question for me, but honestly, like, I, I just don't understand it. Well, I, th- I think I th- normally they... So, yeah. Sorry, Andy. I think normally they do. Um, they 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 do um, make sure that uh, certain things are avoided. You know, here and there. But I, you know, I think you're absolutely right. You know, I'm from Birmingham, born and raised. Although I've obviously subsequently left, I have biases towards the local teams, whether it's Villa, whether it's Blues, whether it's West Brom, or or even Wolves to an extent, or Coventry. I have biases to towards and against all of those teams just because I grew up in that area around all of those teams and around all those places, and I've spent time in all of those uh, towns and cities. So, yeah, if I was a Premier League referee, they shouldn't let me anywhere near any of those games. So, it, 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 it stinks... A, and and I th- I mean it goes back to the earlier point. Is this just unconscious? Are they not aware of it, or are, do they just not care? I mean, is it just a brand? And it's like, okay, you know, your your job today is to make sure that Man United win because our selling point for um for subscribers and for ratings is to keep this title race alive for as long as we can. So Man United need to win, and then we can hype these next two games uh, from Man United have got against Leicester and Liverpool um, as the title race isn't over. Otherwise, you know, relegation's all done and dusted. Uh, you know, we've got nothing else really to sell. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it, it stinks, and I would like it to stop happening. You appreciate the odd bad decision here or there is going to happen, but this is so consistent now, and these... 
ridiculous things from the Bruno Fernandes fouling concert. Absolutely obscene. The uh, Rodri coming back from an offline, off, offside position to score the opening goal for Man City. Never been seen before. The uh, Pogba uh, one last, uh, uh, earlier this season was, was slightly more contentious. But some of these things, like Greenwood handballing it, his head, hand way above his head, clearly in a natural position. If Ollie Watkins did that in the Manchester United box, you best believe the referee's given a penalty. And I will defy anyone to tell me otherwise. No, I think that's the that's the thing when you turn it around, isn't it? You think you know, if the if the shoe was on the other foot in this instance, what would happen? You know, and um, it's it just feels unfortunately it feels like it's um, it's not something we can we can really get to the bottom of um, at the moment, and it's 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 gonna it's gonna rumble on, um, and then next season when they have fans back, I'm sure they'll be, you know. Lots of contentious decisions again, and it will be it will turn into um, you know a, a melting pot of anger and fury. So um, you know, let's uh, let's hope it let's hope it doesn't uh, it, it doesn't affect too much the uh, the spectacle. I thought I'd us. calm down. I, I know you, you said right before you recorded. Right before you recorded, Craig goes, "Well, I'm feeling I'm feeling better today. I'm feeling a little bit better. I was really you, mad yesterday, but I'm feeling better today." And I'm like, "No, nah, no, nah, he's he's not. He's we're, we'll, don't worry, Craig. We'll get you a little beer outside. You'll be all right, buddy." Oh, I was on the rum last night. It's not done the trick. Oh. All right. Yeah. Well, we can get onto something maybe a little bit a little bit more less or less contentious contentious now. Um, just want to, to to talk a little bit about about one of our one of our long long serving players, um, Neil Taylor, who it appears is now sort of drawing to the end of his his, his Aston Villa career. Um, clubs in Turkey, Saudi Arabia, and Qatar are apparently um, interested in in signing um, in signing Taylor on a, on a Bosman transfer in the summer. Um, and there's also, of course, talk of, of Neil Taylor. Uh, making moves into into coaching at the end of his career, um, and he's apparently very very highly thought of at, at Aston Villa in terms of that as well. I mean, it feels like probably the right time for 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 Taylor to move to move on and 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 go on to the next stage of his career. Um, but you know, he's he's kind of another one of our promotion heroes. And and how would you kind of rate rate his time at the club with with Aston Villa? I think Neil Taylor was exactly the left back we needed going into the championship. I think that um, he's not a modern day fullback, so he got a lot of hate from people, even myself included. I'll hold, hold my hands up and say that sometimes I just didn't see what he what he would bring to a team. But looking back on it now, especially in the championship, I think that he was someone who was just kind of like an Eddie Steady kind of character that you knew what you were getting from him. Once you realized that he he didn't have you know the um, the want to go forward. You see that a lot now with left, uh, you know, fullbacks on the left and the right that they they always almost always have something in them where they like to get forward. Taylor wasn't that player, but I I, I do appreciate what he did for the club. I do appreciate that he was one of the promotion heroes. Um, I I think that he he's going to leave Villa this season. Um, he's probably just going to just try and play football somewhere. Um, and like I don't know Neil Taylor personally, but maybe he just wants to play while he's doing his coaching badges. Maybe he wants to further that and still, you know, pick up a pay packet while he's still doing that. Well, pick up a pay packet means like he's going to be stealing money. I, th- I think that he's still going to play and he's going to be able to play <laughs> at a rate, you know, at, at some sort of level, which is not Premier League level. But yeah, I. I I really do think that Neil Taylor will come back to Aston Villa in some sort of capacity, even if it's a youth coach. Um, but yeah, I, I have I have no complaints of his career at Villa. Again, I think he was exactly what we needed at the right time. Yeah, I agree with your words exactly there, Mark. He is a steady Eddie. He's a good pro. He was never as bad a player as people made out um, because you know he he was he's a solid defender, but he's not a modern fullback. And I think he's also not a correct player for Smith Ball. I think. Um, for Neil Taylor, I hope he goes on and plays as long as he can. If he can go retire in the sun and pick up a nice uh, retirement, go and do it. You know, you're a long time retired. Uh, you, you know, you, the career of a footballer is very, very, uh, very, very short and very, very precious. So he should he should take as much as time as he can. But I would love to see him come back in to Aston Villa later on. Obviously, he's highly respected. He's a very good pro. Um, 
And also, I think he could be integral in the attempts by Aston Villa, you know, with the new Inner City Academy and, and the wider attempts in, in football and society to integrate more South Asian uh, players into the system. I mean, it's really a scandal, a city like Birmingham, that we're not producing more top line talent from from those communities. And I think that, that Neil Taylor could really lead that charge. Um, what's exciting, I suppose, about the departure of, of Neil Taylor is he's going to need to be replaced. And we all get excited about transfers. And there's some interesting left backs on the market. You would imagine uh, Danny, if, if Villa wanted to go for the experienced option, um, Danny Rose, you'd imagine, is going to be available pretty cheaply, if not on a free transfer, after he's completely bummed out at Spurs. Uh, you could be looking at someone like Ryan Bertrand, who's available on a free, a, a former Villa loanee as well. Or speaking of former Villa players, um, maybe the sentimental favourite is uh, Jordan Amavi. I've got a friend of mine in uh, who lives in France who's a Marseille fan, and we, we, we chat every now and again, and he tells me Amavi, so I've tried to keep up with Amavi um, you know, through him. He tells me Amavi still hasn't learned to defend, but that's fine. <laughs> maybe we can coach it into him or you know the, the name that won't go away is uh, Rico Henry and I suppose a lot of that will depend on whether or not uh, Brentford uh, get uh, promoted but um, do you guys have any 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 thoughts about Taylor or any thoughts about who we might get in to replace him well I mean f- f- firstly on Neil, Neil Taylor I mean um, it's interesting you talk about Amavi because I seem to remember that Neil Taylor was brought in to replace Amavi um Neil Taylor was brought in in a in a in a part exchange deal with Jordan Ayew going out to um, to Swansea, which a lot of people questioned at the time. But I thought it was a great bit of business. And um, the one the one thing that 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 really stuck out as soon as I saw Neil Taylor playing for for Aston Villa was that he was a left back who could defend. Um, he could um, see see a ball out of play. Um, he could check back and t- and take it round the. The defender and he made a lot of, of good decisions, <laughs> which which escaped Amavi at the time. And Amavi was a very exciting attacking um, left back, wasn't he? But um, he was Taylor was a, a massive upgrade at that time. I think on on Amavi from a defensive perspective, and part of the reason why, even though we we had a poor season when he came in, finishing thirteenth, we did have a run. Um, not long after Taylor came in with a few other players, that um, uh, you know we went on a, a sort of eight, seven or eight games, I think, um, winning runs. So I, I very fond of him. He was never the same after the Coleman challenge, where he, he snapped Coleman's leg playing for Wales, and I think I think that probably traumatised him, which was which I think would would probably be the case for a lot of players. Um, terrible, terrible thing to be involved in, and to be sort of responsible for really so um yeah that's that was a, a big shame but i've enjoyed having him at the club as a villa player i think he's a he's a top pro um and it would be a strange situation if 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 he was replaced by jordan amavi <laughs> regan's gonna <laughs> love that time regan's gonna love that too because yeah. he's he loved amavi like I, I remember me me and him talking when we first started under a gaslit lamp and he just he has such a such a feeling in his heart for him to for him to come back so if, if that's the case I, I you know i think it's great i think the number one target is rico henry for the familiarity that dean smith has for the player but yeah it does uh it does branch out on what they do in the playoffs coming out of the championship um I, I like all the players that Craig said, but I, I have a feeling that uh, Villa's going to throw some money and try to go get Nuno Tavares. He's the left back that plays for Benfica. Um, he's still very young. He's only 21 years old, but the stats are there. He looks like someone who would be able to play left back for a team like Dean Smith. Um, yeah, Again, Matty Target is the, I do believe he's the number one left back, but if you can bring someone in now, not only they can, they can you know, depth wise, but also the right age to grow with this club as the club continues its upward trajectory, I think that would be great. What what did Chilwell cost? Does anyone know off the top of their head? It was around the um, was it around the fifty million mark? I think. Mm. So I mean, that's what we're looking at. I can have a quick look here, but you think, you know, the only you know, the, the, in terms of English left backs, probably the only better ones are Chilwell and um, Shaw. So um, so to improve upon Target, yeah, it was about fifty million pounds. So to improve upon target, you're gonna to have to spend fifty million. Now, I don't imagine Villa are in a place yet where we can spend fifty million on a on a left back. So, 
um i think yeah does it does it do, do you get a young hungry player who's uh, like the the gentleman from benfica you mentioned um there mark or do you get an older player um maybe like a, a rose or a bertrand who might be a lower on fee but might be higher on wages that that can that can you know happy to play understudy it's an interesting choice because there are rumors circulating that we are going to be trying to sign mainly first team players this this season with in the Sanson mold players who are ready made to push the players currently in the first team and, and maybe relegate them to the bench yeah I would, I would imagine that's that's going to be part of the strategy but I think there will always be room for those players that you bring in as as development options as well um you know and, and players that, that that come in as a as a an understudy there's no I mean they would have to, like you say, they they would have to really go some to um to replace Matt Target this summer. Um, you know, I, I just think he's been incredible. He's, like I say, he's my he's my player of the season. Um, if I get a vote, that's who I'm going to be voting for because I just think he's <laughs> he's got better and better and better um, as the season's gone on. I just think he's superb, and I was a real doubter. I I expected us to be replacing him um, in January. Um, at the start of last season, but he's he's proved me wrong, and I'm, I couldn't be happier about it. Um, Rico Henry's my choice. I'm voting for Rico Henry to come in as as targets um, targets understudy next season. But um, I mean, I've, we'll move on now to, uh, to to the matters coming up this week. So before before we record next, um, Villa have two matches in quick succession as they they host Everton again. <laughs> on Thursday, um, before travelling to Crystal Palace on Sunday to take on Christian Benteke and company. Um, these are two big matches in the context of Villa's seasons, as they, they probably now need to win both, really, to stay in with a chance of of, of finishing in the top half, which um, which surely they, they have to do um, after the season they've had. Um, this will, of course, involve completing the double over both teams, having having beaten Everton only only kind of ten days ago at Goodison. Um, there is also a chance that Jack Grealish may return. We've heard all that before, um, but but these games are now really vital, um, especially considering Watkins' suspension. How do you see these two going? Um, you know, have, have you got any any particular thoughts on on both or either one of these? Um. Well, I would say that uh, we have a, 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 a wonderful chance against Everton. We, we've seen, you know, last week that we we really battered them, particularly in the first half, and should have scored quite a lot of goals. Um, but a big part of that was they couldn't deal all that press. Now, without Watkins heading that press, it could be, it could be, a, well, it will be a completely different kettle of fish. And um, but having said that, that could be mitigated by the return of Jack Grealish. Um, in terms of the in terms of the, the Everton game, I'm I'm excited to see it. I think I really really enjoyed the Everton game far more than that, watching that horrible Man United team. I enjoyed watching Villa and Everton go head to head, two proper historic uh, clubs. Um, without the uh, 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 without the all the plastics that follow around Manchester United and um, I enjoyed the game I, I thought it was I thought it would be a good game it was a good game so I'm really looking forward to watching the Everton game interested to see Keenan Davis Barkley I imagine will play this could be his, his last game um, I think that we can certainly expect a draw against Everton and then um, when you move on to to Crystal Palace I think Crystal Palace are largely rubbish bar a couple of great players in, in Zaha, who is, who clearly, speaking of players who aren't interested anymore for their club, he clearly isn't interested at this point. And, uh, but Eze is, Eze was, was, was one of the players I really wanted to sign last year. Oh, I would love to see him linking up with Jack in, in the Villa team. What, what a player I think he's going to be. So, um, a couple of exciting games, a couple of winnable games for, for Villa. And, um, I think we've been saying for weeks on end, Jack Grealish, is going to need minutes in order to get in this squad. Now, there's only four games left now, so presumably we're going to have to see Jack Grealish step into the step into the breach, whether he's fit or not, because he has to prove his fitness. I think you're right. I think it's time for Jack Grealish to dust off the Super Jack cape and get back to work, son. It's time. 
it's time you got to for for your own future for your international you know at least the short term of international future he's he's gonna have to come back for these games uh, as far as beating Everton I love it when Villa go up against Everton um, namely there's an older gentleman who hangs out at the pub that I always watch matches at and he's a massive Everton fan he's expat but the very first time he ever saw me the first the very first time I've ever seen him I walk in with a Villa kid on and he goes Villa proper club and it's just, so I have I have like this mutual like respect and love for this man. Um, I'll text with him throughout the entire game. I, you know, I did it for the last game as well. Um, but I'm, I'm looking I'm looking for Keenan Davis. Um, I'm, you know, I know it's, we know what his goal scoring acumen is, but I think this could be Keenan Davis's time. I think that this could be. But on, on the flip side of that, Carlo Ancelotti is not going to be happy with the display that his team uh, put on the pitch the last time that, that we that they played Villa. So I think it's going to be a tight contest. But I do agree with Craig. I do think it's going to be a draw and I actually see it being a little bit of a higher I think it's going to be a 2-2 or 3-3 draw even I think there might be some goals in this game because I I just there's something about it I think that Ancelotti's he he chews on sour grapes after a loss and if you actually look at his post-match interview he he looked like he wanted to be sick (laughs) he looked like that that wasn't my team that's not how we play Um, I believe they just beat West Ham yesterday as well uh, so you know they're they're going to be looking to go go back to back Um, as far as the Palace game Again, you just kind of have to appreciate on the other side for a little bit. Eze is amazing. He's a really, really nice footballer. I watched him a lot when he played for Queens Park Rangers. I think he's a massive talent. I didn't ever really think Villa were going to go in for him. It would have been magic if he did. Um, always like watching Benteke, but again, Villa need to pick up points here now. Um, you know that that any position above above eleven is going to be massive, not only for the players but also for the fan base to know that there's actual progress being made. So yeah, I, I think it's going to come down to Jack, and it's such a question mark because I feel like the last three 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 or four podcasts we've recorded, it was always like, oh yeah, I've always said like, oh yeah, Jack Grealish assist, Jack Grealish goal. So I, I don't know, maybe maybe he doesn't even get back into the team just quite yet, but. Yeah, I don't know. The, the walk-in suspension, it is it is worrying, but come on, Keenan Davis. Come on, baby. <laughs> yeah, I think we'd all like to see Keenan take his opportunity um, in this game because it'll probably be the only one he gets now um, before the end of the season. Um, that's if uh, that's if he does pick him. <laughs> and uh, It's not Wesley or even Louis Barry, maybe. Um, stepping up, but I doubt I doubt that will be I doubt that will happen. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I I tend to agree. I think it's these games feel feel like big games for for Villa in terms of the the season and finishing well. And I think I think we need um, with Watkins out, we could really do with with Jack Grealish now. I think you know, come on, you've you've milked this one now. You've milked this injury. Um, you know, let's have you back in the in the team and. You know, hopefully it's not the last few games that we we see him in a Villa shirt. Um, but um, you know, he certainly needs those those minutes before the before the Euros. So, yeah, let's get him back and and maybe you know we'll we'll see him in front of fans. Well, we will we will, we will certainly be there. Will be fans at the ground for the Chelsea game. Um, so uh, yeah, it'd be great to have our captain back in the side for then. So. Two predictions from you both then. Um firstly Everton and then and then Palace, Craig. Well, we can't keep a clean sheet at the moment, um, as we know, and those Dina crosses, as we discussed in detail last week, were just delicious. What a wonderful weapon that is to have. And I again I'll reiterate. Oh my gosh, I forgot we nearly finished the podcast. We like me mentioning Julian Jackson. Oh my god, we did, you're right. Oh, <laughs> Again, if you're listening to this uh, while standing up or operating heavy machinery or a vehicle, you may need to sit down or pull to the side of the road. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry to say that our dreams, my dreams, of having Julian Draxler sign for Aston Villa uh, on a free transfer have been dashed with the news today that he has signed a new deal with Pochettino at PSG. Um, so I'm just going to have a moment of reverence for that before I make my Needless to say, the rum's coming back out today, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Coutinho is still available though, lads. So uh, and, and Ladesis, so don't 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 worry. All right, predictions. Um, yeah, Villa can't keep a clean sheet, and I don't seem to care to want to keep a clean sheet. And and um, you know, based on the last few weeks, I don't know whose turn it is to give away a goal um, against Everton, but I'm sure it'll be someone. So Everton for sure will score. I think we always score as well. So um, yeah, I think one-one. Uh, uh, I'll go for and then the Crystal Palace game um, I think we'll especially if, with Jack and, and, and Watkins back in the same team and um, Palace really nothing to play for either I think we'll give them a good a good beating I think another 3-0 to match the uh, or 3-1 because we, we will give them a goal as well um, 3-1 Villa so 1-1 uh, against Everton 3-1 against Palace uh, I'm going to go 2-2 uh, for the Everton game, I just think that both teams can give up a goal, and I think you're going to see, just like Craig said, I think you're going to see Lucadinha throw some some nasty stuff into the the 18, and, and Villa's going to have some problems with it yet again. Um, for the Palace game, I think they're just done. I think there's so much change happening in that club right now, and no one knows which direction it's going to go. Um, respect the Palace too, because I, you know, I, I think they have a, a pretty decent team there. It's just, you know, as far as manager going forward and their aspirations, but I think it's going to end up being two 0 to Villa. Okay, right. So reasonably, reasonably positive. Then we're we're expecting four points at least. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the full six. I'm gonna say we'll beat Everton at Villa Park two one, um, and we'll we'll Muller Palace four one at uh, at Selhurst Park. So um, yeah, we'll 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 be back on track and uh, and full of the joys of spring come um, next week when we record um, before the Spurs game. So. But thanks, thanks very much for joining me, guys. It's, it's been a been a pleasure discussing that with you. Although it's uh, not not the best to talk about a, another defeat to, to Man United. But thanks for thanks for your company today, um, and thanks everyone for listening. If you want to uh, follow the, the the website and the podcast, um, uh, we are on all the socials on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And of course, you can head over to underagaslitlamp.com. Um, for all the latest on the the men's team, the women's team, and the academy, um, as we move into a um, another summer with both, well, everyone in the Premier League, so that's that's great. Um, other than that, enjoy the games this week. Stay safe and up the Villa. <laughs>